Hey, people of the sea, I'm back. I know it's a couple of days late again. Sorry about that, but hey, listen, life is happening here. Had to step down south for a couple of days and uh, talk about some day job, professional type stuff, if you want to call it that. <laughs> Things are getting crazy here with the day job. What I'm going to do is at the end of this show, probably, I will... When we're all said and done with all the cruise talk and everything else, I'll maybe go into a little bit of detail on what my scenario is for the three or four of you that might care. But uh, again, it is what it is. And uh, by, by the way, I got punched in the head uh, several times by a, by a woman last night. So there's that. <laughs> Nights changed. Authorities called. I didn't call you. They, 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 these guys and these girls come in. They basically are hammered they cause a disturbance they start attacking us we just basically do what we have to do and throw them out you know amongst the flurry of a bunch of headshots uh shout out to the security staff what my security staff as well we all everybody did a great job with the restraint took a bunch of shots to the head and uh then they called the police and tried to get us arrested but it was funny uh nights were changed they came within an inch of being arrested by the police that they called which is always funny but another day in the life and you know just another story for another time anyway let's get into the show kick that mule Listening to the Always Be Booked Caribbean Cruise and Orlando Vacation Cruise Cast with your host, Tommy Casabona. All aboard and welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Always Be Booked Cruise Cast show coming to you not quite live from Orlando, Florida. I want to thank you so much for taking the time to find, download, and listen to the show as we cover anything and everything relating to cruising. So we're back, like we said before. Guys, are you catching this McGregor Mayweather stuff I I've <laughs> I can't get enough I'm freaking out I come home from work at like 3 30 in the morning I see the press conference from Toronto and I'm gonna tell you something I couldn't get to bed till six <laughs> it amped me up so much I was so fired up this is gonna be the longest month and a half or whatever however long it is left I mean oh it's palpable. You've never seen theater like this. You can, you can, whatever, binge watch your favorite show a hundred times. You're not going to see theater like this, and I just can't wait. I'll tell you what, you know, I don't know. I, I, I was the guy. I was the guy that Mayweather cannot be touched in this fight. He is literally going to dismantle him, not because Mayweather is some powerhouse, you know, strong knockout artist, but because he is going to such, he's going to have McGregor's face on a silver platter, and it's going to be so readily available to him to just hit with flurries that he's going to knock him out. I didn't see this, and I think I still don't see this as being a particularly difficult fight for Floyd, but boy... You watch that, and it's just something to be said. There's something there when a man stands in front of you and dresses you down, and you can look in his eyes, and he absolutely has no fear. And you know if it was a street fight, he could kill you with his bare hands if he wanted to. There's something to be said, and you look at Floyd a little bit, and Floyd, I don't know, I think he feels that a little bit. Having said all that, I still do think... That you gotta believe Mayweather is the you know majority majority favorite, but 
I don't know, man, these press conferences, and they're only halfway done. They're in Brooklyn today, and then I think they go to England uh, soon after, but I can't get enough of this stuff, man. Oh, it's so much fun. Anyway, so, Cruise Talk. Uh, please, by the way, I got a new thing I want you guys to try to, uh, to, to, if you don't mind, find on Facebook. It is the Always Be Booked Cruisers Lounged Facebook group, and... You know, I got the Facebook page. We have the Instagram, Always Be Booked, uh, as you guys know. And now we have the Twitter. But most importantly right now, if you guys don't mind, because, you know, I'm not, you know, on the, I'm not the best at the social media stuff. And uh, I, I, I do get better at it, and I do try to educate myself on it as much as possible. But there's no interactivity with the Facebook. You can't go back and forth. You can't communicate with you guys. I want to be able to communicate with you guys. And I want you guys to be able to, you know, say things to me directly. I want you guys to be able to post things in the group. I want you to be able to communicate with each other. And the truth is that a Facebook group will allow that to happen. I know I'm very, very late to the party. Everybody's like, yeah, well... Finally, Tommy, you uh, <laughs> better late than never. You finally realized that the Facebook group is the way to go, but it is. So if you guys wouldn't mind, follow me. You find the Always Be Booked Cruisers Lounge or Always Be Booked Podcast Cruisers Lounge, something like that. One of them, I think it's Always Be Booked Cruisers Lounge. Just find that on Facebook. Join the group, please. I'm trying to get that up. We've really got like 35, 40 members now, I think. I'm not even sure what it is at, but if you wouldn't mind. Also, as always, the Instagram, like I mentioned before. And if you don't mind, uh, please subscribe on iTunes, rate, review. We're also on Stitcher. Those are the places, as you guys know, you can find me. All right. So uh, for this show, we're going to do the news first, a little couple of things in the news first. But uh, for this show, I wanted to do something that is a little, I don't know, it may be, it's a little bit of a risk. But it's like, I don't know if... It's going to be fully communicatable what I'm trying to kind of portray with this show. And the, the the long story short is that people always ask about itineraries. And this is for the relatively new cruiser. They don't know. All right, so I'm looking up cruises. I see Florida, Bahamas. I see Southern Caribbean. I see Panama Canal. I see repositioning. I see uh, Eastern Caribbean, Western Caribbean. What I wanted to do is do a little bit of a breakdown of, regionally of what you're going to get pretty much from the regions of the uh, the Caribbean. And you know this show is mostly about the Caribbean. Again, a lot of you ask requests for the Mediterranean, for Alaska. I feel like one day we will eventually branch out to there, but the specialty is the Caribbean So and the big three, so we're going to stick mainly with that stuff. So I wanted to give you guys a little bit of a synopsis, a little bit of a broad, I guess from a macro standpoint of what you're looking at between the differences of the regions. And now, there's two layers to that. There's the geographical difference between the re- regions, as well, you know, what part of the world are you going to. And then there's also the cultural regions. There's different, uh, I guess, f- uh, flares to, to the Caribbean and stuff like that. And they're on different islands. They're both, they're all, I'm not both, they're, they're all influenced by different, you know, cultures, you know, from whether it's Africa, whether it's uh, Spain, whether it's, you know, whatever it is. So, We'll get into that and the locations for that too as well. But uh, all right, so let's get into the cruise news. (music) 
All right, great news out of Norwegian Cruise Lines. They're taking the Norwegian Sun. Now, all right, not a mega ship and not necessarily the pride of the fleet by any stretch of the imagination, but they are announcing that the ship will reposition to Port Canaveral right here in my backyard, and they're going to turn her into an all-inclusive. Yep, that's right. That means booze, um, a completely all-inclusive ship. They have this kind of going already. Well, not kind of. They actually do have it going with the sky out of Miami, and apparently it's working. Uh, they want to expand on that concept. They're shooting for summer of 2018, and these sailings will do alternating three- and four-day Bahama-slash-Key West cruises uh, and also some overnights in Havana sailings as well. The Norwegian Jewel will replace the sun on the Alaska sailings that it's currently doing from Seattle. The sun will go into dry dock for about two and a half weeks and will undergo some of the Norwegian Edge renovations, which is it's hard to keep up. I know Edge is also a cruise ship coming out from Celebrity, which is supposed to be an over-the-top innovative uh, piece of nautical architecture that's just going to take over the industry. But the Edge is also a uh, almost like a Carnival 2.0 scenario, but it's for uh, Norwegian, and they're putting a bunch of updates on it, uh, You know, doing it a lot of to the uh, elderly ships. So I guess that's working out as well. So first of all, taking the <clears throat> some of the older ships and putting them into putting the all-inclusive, which means the free boost package pretty much, into play for all the sailings for everybody, as well as, you know, updating a lot of these older ships. Uh, in, in the in the I guess the Carnival 2.0 again we talk about it all the time. These cruise ships and these cruise lines are going to copy each other. That's not going to stop. Whatever they're going to refurbish the old ones. Uh, me personally, you guys know all how you know how I feel about it. I prefer maybe a little bit more new builds. Just forget about all that money. Build a new ship. I'd rather you build one new ship that's going to be able to hold five thousand people than just kind of put band aids on four or five ships uh, for the same price. But it is what it is. That's why I'm sitting here, you know, talking to you in a microphone, uh, and they are CEOs of uh, giant corporations. Uh, all right, so there's some controversy. We're talking Jamaica. An article came out in a, lo- a local Jamaican newspaper saying that Royal Caribbean was pulling out of the historic port of Falmouth. I guess, is that how you say it? Falmouth? I know, uh, <laughs> Falmouth? Falmouth, whatever. You guys know my pronunciations here. Royal Caribbean did alter some of the itineraries for some of their ships, as well as one of their ships under Celebrity Cruise Lines. You guys know Celebrity is owned by Royal Caribbean, but they did not make any announcement that they are completely pulling out of the port. The issues that have been cited were the continued harassment of passengers by the street vendors, which we all know is uh, an Achilles heel and a thing that you know Jamaica and the ports in Jamaica and the areas of Jamaica have been known for, uh, but also reckless driving from excursion transportation operators. There's been some incidents, some accidents uh, from, I guess, excursion transportation companies taking people from the cruise port to the excursion. Also, just a lackluster product as far as what is offered by the craft vendors. Uh, This may or may not be the full story, actually. Royal Caribbean has invested a lot of money in Falmouth, and they are talking about doing more things to the port that will allow it to accept more and larger ships. So this, again, could be part of the story, and I'm getting into it why. They plan on dredging the sea deeper. Uh, along the dock to accommodate larger ships. And this seems to be generating some resistance from some locals, not all. Reverend uh, Devere Nugent, who is apparently a very influential community leader, is also uh, he's urging locals to resist further dredging, which would increase the amount of tourists. If you could dredge more, you could fit bigger ships, you could fit more ships. And, uh, you know, 
ideally everybody is happy because there's money going into the economy. He wants the community. He's calling for the community to vocally and physically protest this issue. His stance is that Royal Caribbean is coming in. They're doing this with only their own profits and benefits in mind. Uh, Reverend Nugent says that they would, uh, they should not be welcomed because they're not getting involved with the local community. They're not getting involved with the churches, the civic organizations, and that the local economy doesn't really see much of the benefit or nearly as much of the benefit as they actually should. There's just a story, uh, it, and I don't really know enough, and I'm just connecting it just because I heard somebody on a podcast talk briefly about it, and that China is taking over Jamaica, and China is selling a dream to Jamaica about, you know, let us buy this land, let us buy these areas, and, you know, it's benefit for you guys because supposedly the locals in Jamaica can't do it. China, there's people in China who do have the money to do it, and then they'll just be putting a ton of money into the economy with jobs, and it's kind of coming to fruition that China is bringing their own staff over there as well. So the job thing isn't really, really happening. So that might be a similar situation where the natives are getting a little bit skeptical about their intentions. Like, are they really going to, is there really going to be more money for the local economy? So some say that Royal Caribbean is taking some of their ships out of Falmouth. They say that's a bit of a message to the local government that, you know, maybe get this guy, this community leader, Mr. Nugent in line and, it may be just some gangster cruise corporate muscle flexing tactics going on by an absolute giant. Uh, it will be interesting to see if this actually is the case and how it eventually ends up playing out. But you could see it from both sides. Royal Caribbean thinks they're doing a favor. They're going to be you know, bringing more tourism to the place. And now they're, th- they're saying, okay, well, you're going to stop us from dredging these waters. You're going to stop us from trying to bring more ships in here and be able to offer more to our guests. Then you know what? This is the beginning of us maybe thinking about possibly pulling out of the port totally. So, again, like I said, get this guy in line, either uh, play ball, whatever. And like a little gangster, but again, that's kind of what they do. All right, so staying with Royal Caribbean, there's a drink package situation in play. I made the mistake of, I sort of come across the, you know, the news wire here and I, sort also be mentioned in a couple of Facebook groups that I'm involved with. And this, again, another polarizing, polarizing topic. Royal Caribbean is, on the Harmony of the Seas, experimenting with an alteration to their rules on the drink package. At this point right now, anybody can get the drink package anytime, and that does not, uh, you know, enable the person that you're traveling with to have to buy the drink package as well. So what they're doing is saying, okay, like Carnival, if you're going to get the drink package, the person in your room has to get the drink package too. Why? Because what would stop you from just getting the drink package and feeding drinks to your roommate the entire time and basically maybe even splitting the money or whatever deal you have worked out. Royal Caribbean probably sees that they're getting beat on this a little bit as well by not having that rule in place. So, again, does anybody realize that th- does anybody really think that this is not just going to be a fleet-wide thing very very soon? We're rolling it out as an experiment. What do you mean experiment? How's that going to go? How's the experiment going to go? Okay, now you're going to be getting more people purchasing the drink package because you're forcing them to. People who want the drink package are not going to not get the drink package. I am I've almost bought the drink package on the Florida Georgia Line cruise. The two guys that we went with, me and the other guy, almost bought the drink package for the girls we were traveling with just because they didn't want to do it 
and we still thought we'd save money by paying for two drink packages that we weren't even going to work out, that we just were able to change the room situation and it worked out, but this is what it is. People are having a heart attack over this. People are saying, well, guess I'm not traveling Royal Caribbean anymore. Oh, well, you know what? That's ridiculous. Another corporate giant. Oh, they don't make enough money on the $11 drinks. Listen, I don't know. Everybody has something to say. Have you guys seen their balance sheet? Yes, they do have a huge markup for the drinks. A bottle of beer probably cost them about 77 cents. And yes, they do charge about 8 or $9 for that. And yes, on that particular bottle of beer, the percentages are ridiculously advantageous to the cruise line. But do you know if they're taking a hit in the entertainment area and that's just making up? Listen, I'm not crying poverty. I'm just a businessman and I operate a business and people are so quick to judge the markups. I'm not saying Royal Caribbean starving. I'm not getting in the corner of the corporate giant saying, you know what, shame, uh, you know, good for them. Let them just like bend everybody over and just whatever. I'm just saying, I know I don't have enough information to know what their entire, I guess, balance sheet looks like. So it's the going rate. You go to New York City, you're paying $8 for a beer in many, many places. You go on other cruise ships. This is what the money is. Are they too greedy at sometimes? Yes, absolutely. Norwegian is very often too. And we're going to get into a scenario with Norwegian in a little while as well. You see, Norwegian is like the most notorious one for just kind of adding little nickel and dime uh, add-ons to you, whether it's room service, whether it's gratuities, whether it's whatever, and that's a polarizing topic. All I'll say about Royal Caribbean is that, yes, I absolutely understand that there very, very well might be a free-for-all going on. You're stupid if you're, if you're on that ship not to take advantage of that. So if you get a – if someone's allowed to buy the drink – we didn't. Me and Miss K bought – we both bought the drink package because we're just in a position where we don't want the hassle. But if I'm 24 years old and my significant other or my cruise traveling partner can buy the drink package and I'm going to, you know, tight for cash and I can kind of jump on that bandwagon and not have to buy it, I'm going to take advantage of that. Call it whatever you want. It's a moral issue. It's whatever. It is. There's loopholes, and to me, it's my job as a struggling young cruiser to try to find those loopholes, and it's the cruise line's job to try to close those loopholes. So to me, I don't see anybody bad in this scenario. I have a situation where I deal with that at work. We do an offer where we make phone calls and we say, congratulations, you just want a private party for you and as many friends as you want at Cowgirls. It involves you drinking absolutely free. Sound good so far? Cool. Let me continue. Everybody who comes with you and mentions your name pays 15 at the door and they drink for free for three hours. So what you get into is in a scenario is, is that the host, they get free drinks. We have eight bartenders at a time. They just go from one bartender to the other and they order a drink and they can just give out drinks to all their friends. And same thing when we're doing the open bar package, maybe half or five out of 15 people buy the drink package and they're just getting drinks and delivering to their friends. I'm just, I guess from my scenario, I have to, I have to shut that down. So that's what I did. I made it so that, okay, drinks are no longer an open bar scenario. It's a half price scenario. So everybody's paying a little bit of something. They're getting a great deal. It's half price drinks, but everybody's paying a little something. Yes, the host is still drinking for free. So the host can give out drinks, but it's a much more manageable loophole 
to trust that the host is going to be really not wanting to spend their night ordering drinks and distributing them. So we closed it up a little bit, and uh, it's still not perfect, but it is what it is. So I get where Royal Caribbean is coming from, and yes, they saw that as a loophole. They're closing that loophole, and to me, as a business owner, rightly so. And like I said, the blowback is, well, they shouldn't because look how much their regular price drinks are the market. You can't do that. You can't. Because you think they're making a lot of money or too much money on each drink, that they should look the other way and allow just a whole, you know, shit show go on as far as people robbing them and giving away drinks. And again, I don't blame the people who did. There is no victim here. There is no foul. There's no bad guy. This is just what it happens. All you boozers who are trying to scam, you just got to work. You got to try to work another scam now. So. That's the drink package situation with Royal Caribbean. Let me know how you guys feel about it. Uh, let me know in the group or an email. Let me know, Tommy, at alwaysbebooked.com. Or even better, join the group, the new Facebook group, Always Be Booked Cruisers Lounge, and weigh in on that topic. And, you know, I'm <laughs> I just like I said, I made the mistake of commenting, and I'm trying to explain to people why, you know, you don't really know. I, I'm sure the cruise lines aren't making money, but... You don't know their balance sheet is all I'm saying to be able to say that you should just look the other way and let people drink for free because you know you have a markup. Well, the markup's dead if everybody does what you know the, the whole scam thing and everything. All right, moving on. P&O Cruises is unveiling a new gimmick. <laughs> I mean a competition. Uh, it's a competition that gives the public the chance to name its newest ship. This is kind of lame. I mean, it's not lame, but eh, yawn. You know, be a little more creative. You're P&O Cruises. You're a cruise line with multiple ships. Come up with something better than name yours. We do that. We do, we have a mechanical bull. You know how many times I did the name the mechanical bull thing? You know how tired it is and I stopped doing it? But, okay. This ship, which obviously doesn't have a name, is sent to lo- set to launch in 2020. It is the first P&O new build in five years and is going to be a beast. It's going to be 180,000 gross tons, and it's going to be the most environmentally friendly ship the British Cruise Line has ever built. The naming competition opened up to July 10th. It's going to run for approximately one year. The, the winner will obviously get their name put on the side of the ship, and ready? Two VIP tickets to the naming ceremony. Man, do these cruise lines, A, have some balls, and boy, do they know how to make money. They know they just don't have to do anything. Just throw this gimmick out there. They put you to work. They make you sit around and try to think up some names so they don't have to name the ship. And then what they're going to do for you is give you tickets to the ceremony. Can we re- Can we really? We really can't just give out a free cruise. You're going to have the person name the ship. You can't give them a free cruise something this is going to be called this the name of the ship is going to be called the ship for eternity for the length of the ship remains in your cruise line and you can't give them a free cruise like i said i did the same thing with my bull at johnny utah's in new york city i at least gave out a free dinner no cover and a bar tab but i guess that's the type of reckless discounting that is the reason i am a restaurant operator and not a cruise line ceo anyway if you would like to take a shot at naming the ship you can do so on either uh, pno's website or any of their social media pages they will find it good luck everyone think carefully a ticket to a naming ceremony is at stake here all right that's the news let's get into the main topic of the show
so like I said, I wanted to do a show like this for a long time and get into a discussion about the various regions you can go to when taking a cruise. For many people, they get on a ship, they head south, as long as there's sun, as long as there's water and sand, and there isn't work, laundry, or cooking, they're pretty much happy. Some people cruise for years and still feel that same way. I think it's interesting when people tell me they went on a cruise last year and I ask them where they went or what ship they went and they literally have no idea. They'll something like uh, St. Turk or Grand Martin or something like that. They sometimes don't even remember the cruise line. As a new cruiser, I understand that it doesn't really always matter. You're just away at sea. You're on a cruise ship. That's fine. But when I booked my first cruise, I remember hearing some rapper talking about the white sand beaches of St. Thomas. So that's what, well, I'll say it's actually AZ from the song Sugar Hill, if you want me to show my age. Uh, so that's what I booked. I saw a, well, it was a cruise ship. Carnival looked like an okay price. It was going to St. Thomas, and that looked attractive to me. So I did it. I didn't know the differences between cruise ships or even cruise lines. But as we get into our third and fourth cruises, uh, and if that cruising bug has gotten its grips into us like it has for most of the people that would be listening to a show like this, you kind of want to know where you're going You want to know where you've been. You want to know the geographic and cultural similarities and differences of the parts of the world that you're visiting. Let's face it. I've said it before. We're cruisers, and some of you might take issue with this, and some of you might be exceptions to this idea. But the truth for the most part is is that we're not Anthony Bardanes by nature. We're not these Rick Steves people by nature. Again, not everybody. Some people really are. But as cruisers... I feel like our demographic, we're not obsessed with diving deep into the cultures of ancient societies. We're not trying to layer our palates with the ultimate cultural experiences from like an ultra in-depth perspective, right? I mean, would you agree? If, 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 if I saw you and I've seen you on a cruise ship and you're at your fifth or sixth booty shake competition at Margaritaville in Grand Turk, you're not necessarily going to convince me that you're obsessed with culture. We And I'm not saying you're obsessed with booty shaking competitions either. You just like cruising and that's what's going on there and you're relaxing, you're having a drink and that's what's out there. And you know what? Oh, you know what? I'll watch this for a little while. Uh, We like the convenience. We like the variety. We like the economics and the simplicity of just kind of shutting it down on a cruise vacation. Whatever culture can get sprinkled in is great. I love the culture. I really, really do. Total bonus. So having said that, I still wanted to spend a little time on knowing the areas you're picking when you go on these cruises. An itinerary can be called Western Caribbean, but you can't compare Key West to Ocho Rios, right? Port Canaveral has absolutely nothing to do with Nassau or Freeport. So when you're at work, the time is dragging on and that cruise itch wants to be scratched and you find yourself typing in carnival.com or rccl.com into that search bar and you begin your search for your next cruise, I want you to know that the generalities of the regions at least uh, at least know that the different, there are differences between the destinations you're browsing beyond the fact that it's warm, there's sun, and there is water. So to me, and I really am lost today in terms of what is offensive and what is acceptable in terms of how you can identify certain races and cultures. I'm in my early 40s, and back when I was young, some of the terms that were uh, used to describe certain ethnicities, they were acceptable. Then one day you woke up, and if you use those terms, you're a complete bigot. 
I don't. It's not just race. It's it's physical ailments. It's conditions. So I'm lost. And when I start describing cultures, I'm going to do the best I can to describe what I mean without being offensive. But I can't guarantee that's going to happen. If maybe maybe there is absolutely nothing wrong with what I'm saying, and I'm disclaiming this for no reason. But I'll leave it up to you, and just know that if there is any mistakes, any ignorances realize, please, the intent is not there. At the end of the day, that's really all that matters, right? If you're not trying to event somebody, it's out of ignorance. And if there is any ignorance, I pre-apologize that. So to me, there are three different types of cultures that have the largest presence in any Caribbean vacation. Uh, Very simply, you have your Latin island influences that you'll find in like Puerto Rico, uh, the Dominican Republic, Cuba, uh, please don't get mad. I know white people get in all sorts of trouble uh, all the time for making the mistake of comparing or mistaking uh, any one of them with the others. You know what I mean? Like Cubans, Puerto Ricans, Dominicans, you know, you, you have to. But it does happen. I do apologize. But you have to also admit that it's not deniable uh, that while there are many are there, there's many distinct differences between these cultures. There are some backlining similarities, things that are similar about these places that you can't really argue with. The language is mostly Spanish. Uh, the music of choice is like salsa, merengue, rumba. Uh, music is so dance-driven. It's it's Latin at its core with a serious African influence. Uh, it's very complex, and it really just makes you want to dance. I'm talking about the music still. Notice that I said makes you want to dance. Uh, some actually do, but then there's others like me who leave that to those who are more skillful at that particular uh, <laughs> hobby. Uh, the food is uh, a lot of rice. You got beans. You got slow-cooked pork. You got plantains, uh, fresh tropical fruit, empanadas, croquettes. Uh, Cuba, you have the Cuban sandwich. Uh, you have my personal favorite, which is the tripleta, which is uh, all of it is so delicious. You have the... Uh, I mean, I, I, I could sit and eat there all day. It's probably one of, if not my favorite types of cuisines I like to dive into when I am at sea. Uh, and that's just a little talk of the music, the culture, the language. Uh, and it's the Latin, kind of like the Latin island feel. And you're going to get that, like I said, Dominican Republic, uh, Puerto Rico, uh, Cuba, places like that. Another style of culture that you will notice is in in the Caribbean is known as pretty much general Caribbean, like an island, like Jamaican, Bohemian style, where the music is reggae, it's ska, it's calypso, you get some steel drums in there. You guys know what I mean. The whole Heyman vibe. The foods are like jerk chicken, jerk pork, Jamaican patties, Johnny Cakes. Uh, you get seafood like conch. Uh, that's more up in the Bahamas, but uh, they also use uh, a good amount of plantains as well. Uh, they use the scotch bonnet pepper. You have to use the scotch bonnet pepper when you're talking about the African. You also know they are very fond of their weed as well. <laughs> we're just keeping it real here. I don't take part in that type of thing, but if you do, I would definitely say proceed with caution when it comes to doing illegal things on foreign soil. That's just a no-brainer. But, you know, that's just the general island type of culture that is mostly dominates the Caribbean. It starts up at the Bahamas and goes all the way down that eastern chain of islands and back over to Jamaica. And the Cayman Islands, it's a lot of uh, a lot of African, uh, Jamaican island. You guys know what I'm talking about. I, I may not even, there may be a word I'm trying to find that I'm not using properly, but I think by the description, you guys know what I mean when I'm talking about that particular style of culture that's in the Caribbean. Then you also have to consider the uh, American, uh, Central American, Mexican portion of the Caribbean. Yeah, 
Clearly Mexico, uh, the Yucatan Peninsula, and islands like Cozumel are all part of this. But places like Belize and Honduras are largely influenced by this culture as well. And uh, when I say this culture, I mean, you know, the music, uh, mostly mariachi. You got a lot of horns. You got string instruments. You have a lot of uh, harmonization among everybody singing. You get those sparkly outfits, the sombreros. It's kind of fascinating, but it's almost getting towards a little bit of a cowboy-type feel. Maybe because while there's still a lot of island influence, we are talking about getting back towards the mainland of North America. Again, that's just me guessing. None of this, by the way, is uh, <laughs> done with any research. These are, you know, hopefully that's refreshing to you. I'm not reading out of a textbook yet. I'm just using my pretty much uh, the travel that I've done and my observations, and probably some of it's wrong, but that's just what I see. If you guys, again, Tommy at alwaysbebooked.com or the Always Be Booked Cruisers Lounge group on Facebook. Um, technically, also, in any of those places, you could drive back to the States if you had to. You're kind of on the mainland. Even if you're in Cozumel, you can't drive directly, but you're a quick ferry ride right away from able, being able to do so. The unique part of this portion of the Caribbean is its clear Mayan influence. You'll be able to tour ruins, and this geographical region is flooded with cenotes, uh, which are watering holes, uh, fresh watering holes that are sometimes underground, sometimes in caves, and that's pretty much it. So you get the what I call the Latin island part of it, uh, the traditional island part of it, which is you know Jamaican, African feel, and you have the Central American, Mexican portion of it. And that's pretty much how I break down the three. Then that's not region per se, geographic region. That's just general region. Um, you also have Haiti, and honestly, I'm not going to lie to you. I think Haiti does its own thing, and I'm not very familiar with what goes on over there. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, it does have a bit of a, you know, some sort of a, a French influence, I believe, at least linguistically, but uh, I know it's an impoverished part of the Caribbean. It shares a, a, a landmass with the Dominican Republic, but if I'm not mistaken, the Dominican Republic shares more in common with Puerto Rico than it actually does with Haiti. But I'll be the first to say, like I said, I'm not coming at you with a wealth of uh, knowledge on Haiti. All the stuff for them, like I said, it's the eye test. I don't read these, I don't read books. I didn't do a lot of prep for this. I'm trying to give you what I've seen. I just have a natural curiosity for this stuff as well. I've been to most of these places and I'm giving you feedback from what I've seen. Um, always, always, always do your own research. All right, so let's start the breakdown. The areas of the Caribbean that we're going to cover uh, is pretty much how you see the cruise packages being sold when you go to book. Uh, and it's going to be four today. We'll talk about a couple of others, but we're not going to dive into them just so you know, for reasons that I'll get into later. All right, so one, Florida and the Bahamas. They usually round it up together. Two, Eastern Caribbean. Then you also have three, Western Caribbean. And then four, you have the Southern Caribbean. Now, other things you have. You do have Bermuda, which I have not been to and not be covering at this time. So, I mean, eventually I'll make my way to Bermuda, but I'm not going to start spewing a bunch of, you know, red information about Bermuda when I haven't been there for this particular podcast. Uh, and now uh, there's also Cuba, which on most itineraries is in its own category. So it's kind of new and it's being celebrated so much. But if it's not in its own category, it's usually going to uh, category. It's going to be lumped in with the destinations that would considered uh, pretty much to be Western Caribbean. There's also the Panama Canal run, which we also won't cover in this episode simply because we did it in, in depth and an entire show on it in the past. Feel free to go into the back episodes and check out the Panama Canal episode 
where we dove 100% in. And that, again, full disclosure, coming from a person who has not done a Panama sailing, uh, Panama Canal sailing, but absolutely plans to and used that podcast to also dummy uh, double as some of my research for that as well. Another thing to keep in mind is that there are 9 to 15 day cruises that will combo more than one region. There are regions set up by cruise lines to be able to categorize where you are generally going to go, but the reality is, is that there really are no rules to cruising. All right, so let's start with Florida and the Bahamas. This is considered by many uh, seasoned cruisers uh, as what the kids would call basic. It doesn't mean that's the case, though. Cruises, much like anything in life, I think, are always going to be what you make of it. I have a cynical slash sort of sarcastic outlook on things. So, yeah, I do consider these places pretty basic when you compare them to others, but I still will go on these types of cruises, and I know that if I'm with friends, I'm not at work, uh, and I likely got a ridiculous deal on one of these areas, and that's why I'm doing it. Another reason many people end up on a Florida Bahamas itinerary is because the length of the cruise, you can usually do a two- to five-day cruise when it's the uh, Florida Bahamas. Now, in my opinion, a two- to five-day cruise is not for the first-time cruiser. You understand? You're listening? First-time cruises, people who haven't cruised before, do not do a two- to five-day cruise your first time. You hear it all the time. Take the three-day cruise. See if this way you can find out if you like it or not. Hell no. If you're a first-time cruiser, I urge you to take at least a six-day cruise. Three-day cruise is in no way a good gauge to be able to tell if you like cruising or not. The ships are small. The itineraries are, like we said, basic, and the crowd is often very, very young and rowdy, none of which I personally have an issue with. But this show is for you, and I know most people do. Three-day cruises are for, like I just said, young, rowdy, spring break-aged people, and they're usually on a tight budget or the cruise crackhead. And this is, to me, what I would do this type of cruise for. The true cruise addict that doesn't care and just wants to be at sea, uh, let's just say he or she has a couple of free days off and wants to get, you know, just to steal the feeling of being at sea for a long weekend or a half a week. Uh, that's what the, the short cruises are for. You're not going to get, I want you, if you haven't cruised, to be able to go what it's like, to be able to shut it down, to know you're not coming coming back, to have to pack, to put your stuff into the closet, and not necessarily have to unpack for six or seven days. I want you to be able to see what it's like to be at sea, absorb a couple of sea days, uh, get with a crowd that is also relatively comfortable cruising. Don't mess around with thinking you're going to be able to find out what an actual cruise vacation is if you just go to you know a private island in the Bahamas, two sea days and one land, you know one one shore day. That's not going to do it. Take a real cruise. If you don't like it, don't go back. But find out. Do your research. All right. So. Talking about the itineraries that are in, uh, just quick, quick little, I don't want, like I said, let's just be clear about the difference here. A lot of times I do port profiles and I will do an in-depth kind of, I guess, expose on that particular port. It's always been on a port that I've been and uh, we go into detail. For this show, I'm going to go into light detail. So we're going to start with Florida and the Bahamas and I'm just going to touch over some of the main ports in that, we'll call it region, so that you can get an idea of if you'd like to be there or not. So if you're doing a Florida Bahama cruise, you're likely going to be in some of these ports. Let's start with Port Canaveral. Port Canaveral is right near the beach, albeit not the most picturesque beach. I mean, have you ever been to Cocoa Beach? <laughs> it's, it's definitely not, uh, you know, you're not, you're a long way from St. Martin when you're in Cocoa Beach. But 
You're in Florida. It's a Florida beach. And if you're coming from Toledo, Ohio, this is a this beach is a welcome sight. It, this is a popular place uh, near the beach. It's called it's called Ron John Surf Shop, and that's just an ind- indicator right there. Like if you're talking about uh, what to do on shore, and one of the main things you hear about is a surf shop. You know, it's a fairly basic uh, itinerary, uh, a stop. Uh, it's a very, very impressive store. Don't get me wrong. You go in there, and even me, I was surprised. It's like you, there's everything beach-related you could ever possibly want. Uh, what else can you do? Right outside the cruise terminal, there's some really, really cool outdoor restaurant bars. I mean, cool places. These are not like Senior Frogs. Not that I have a problem with Senior Frogs or Margaritaville, but these places, you got Fish Lips, you got uh, a place called Grills. Uh, I actually stop there sometimes on Saturday or Sunday, have some good seafood, and enviously watch the cruise ship leave the port. Uh, these are not spring breaky type places, uh, but they're fun. They're really good for some good drinks, some good food, and some live music. Now, there is a time where Port Canaveral turns not basic. And if you want to, I guess, get into a little bit more and pull out some dollars, you can uh, make your own way over, make your way over to the uh, Universal Studios or Disney theme parks. Uh, I don't mean to go into this much detail on each port. I just wanted to give you a few overall things about the port, and this one happens to be where I live, so I guess I got I get a little deeper. But you can take a shuttle down to Disney. You can take a shuttle to Universal. You could do Epcot, and uh, there's pl- that. I mean, that's a full day. If you think Port Canaveral is basic, do that, and that's a full day. You just went to Disney World. You just took an hour ride in a shuttle, and you went to Universal Studios. There is also uh, the Cape Canaveral, the um, uh, Kennedy Space Center, and that's very, very close. That's like maybe a combination of the two. I wouldn't consider that to be basic. I think that's really, really cool. You are spending a little bit of money on that, but you're also not traveling an hour. It's right outside. Well, it's very, very close to the port anyway, and some fascinating stuff that goes on there. All right, moving on. We spent too much time on Port Canaveral. Nassau, uh, it's mostly Atlantis. Everybody knows. We did the port profile. I think there's a surprisingly amount of things to do. We learned that there are some gorgeous beach days that you can go away on little remote islands where they have everything you could ever want. There's some really cool cultural things you could do to experience walking around downtown. There's a few nice resort for a day options as well in Nassau, and that's pretty much the brunt of Nassau. Freeport, uh, not a whole lot. Or you're going straight to Port Lucaya and you get a beach day in. Or I will say Freeport is some of the best snorkeling I have ever, ever experienced in my life. Uh, and then you have the private islands over there. You have, you know, private islands are always beach day. You have the Coco Cay. Um, you have the uh, Great Stirrup Cay. These are just little islands that really, that's a shutdown day. It's basically a glorified sea day, but on land. And, you know, I'm not going to mention Grand Turk with Florida and the Bahamas, even though it is kind of like a geographical bridge between Florida and the Bahamas to the next region, which is the Eastern Caribbean. All right, now, we always say, that, we were saying before, the, the regions are mostly geographically accurate, but the lines occasionally blur. For booking purposes, lines do have to be drawn, though. As far as the Eastern Caribbean islands, uh, what you pretty much have is a uniform chain that literally goes from Freeport, which is literally just across the beginnings of South Florida, all the way down to Trinidad, which is right off the coast of Venezuela in South America. Someone should film a documentary. I would love to do this. Just get on a boat and do a run, go across that entire chain of islands, stopping at the most, you know, maybe the most popular or the most, well, you know, the ones that people have heard of. And you could do like 18 islands. You could do a full season 
a TV season series out of it. When I talk about the lines blurring, you have Barbados, which is clearly very, very south. Uh, yet it will still be categorized in a lot of Eastern Caribbean itineraries because it's technically more east than it is south. All right, so let's talk about some of the more popular ports in the Eastern uh, Caribbean region. You got San Juan first, uh, uh, first and foremost. That may be the best walking port right off the ship. Old San Juan, you have the actual city. Tons of stuff to do, walk around and see there. You have the forts. Uh, you have uh, rainforest tours. You have great food. If the conditions are right, you can also do one of those bioluminescent bay trips where you float along in boats or kayaks and you can see the fish that light up. Moving on, you have St. Thomas. St. Thomas is the perfect blend of picturesque beauty with an actual city vibe. Uh, they got beach for years over there. I mean, white sand, blue water everywhere. You could do a day trip to St. John. That's probably one of the more popular things to do is do a day trip to St. John and check out Trunk Bay and do a lot of the, you know, they have a beautiful national park in on St. John as well. There's tons of shopping. St. Thomas is also known for its many, many bars. The island does have a little bit of an alcohol issue, I'm not going to lie. I'm told by friends that live there that it's basically lawless in that regard. You pretty much can't get a DUI. Shouldn't really promote that, but from what I heard, it's like out of control. Unless you're driving off the side of a mountain. Uh, (laughs) I had one of my friends, uh, this girl visited me from St. Thomas. She came to Orlando. We hung out, and I clearly... Clearly had too much to drink while we were out. Get to my truck, and uh, I tell her, you know what, I, I can't really drive. She looked at me like I was high. Like She was in the same condition I was, and she was like, are you kidding me? I'm driving this. I'm like, no, nobody's driving. Thankfully, I took control. We got a cab, and we got out of there. But she's like, you don't understand. She told me the next day. She's like, yeah, it's not, she's not proud of it, but there literally is no you got to be really, really driving the car upside down to be able to get a DUI on St. Thomas. Again, not good. Not good. I'm not promoting that, but, you know, that's what it is. I don't know. There's plenty of places. You have uh, uh, between Haven Site, between Red Hook, there's a lot of cool gastro pubs, places to eat and drink. Uh, the emphasis is on drink, and uh, who knows, maybe that's why it's named after me. Uh, you also have Grand Turk. Speaking of drinking, uh, Grand Turk is basically a glorified private island, to be honest with you. I absolutely love Grand Turk because it's pretty much one scene. What's cool about Grand Turk is like it's almost like an extension of the ship. Everyone you sail with will be either in the water, on that beach, uh, or out of Margaritaville. And that beach, that water, it's one square mile, and you're all together. It's actually pretty cool because the ship is is the backdrop of the whole thing. The water is gorgeous, and you're in the shadow of the ship no matter where you are, pretty much on Grand Turk. Also, though, you can go to uh, the people who are in the know and have cruised a little bit. They opt to go down a little further down the beach to a place called Jack Shack. A little bit more rustic vibe there. A little bit more of a corporate vibe there. You will wait for the jerk chicken. I repeat, you will wait. But it's worth it. Yeah, Jack Shack is cool. It's, it was a, The story of Jack Shack is that the owner was down in Grand Turk uh, with his wife. I don't know if he met his wife or with his, was with his wife. But whether or not, whatever it is, the owner was part of the labor force that came down to build the giant pier in the cruise terminal. Fell in love with it, brought their dog Topher, 
and set up shop and opened up Jack's Shack, which has become just like a, a folklore hero type bar. And people love that place on Grand Turk. So it's pretty much, like I said, Margaritaville, the beach, the water, and then down the strip is uh, Grand Turk. You could, they have excursions. You could do horseback riding. You can do mopeds. I did a moped in Grand Turk. Uh, the first time I was there... And I was just like, whatever, I'm not kidding. Again, like I told you, I'm not the crazy, the best sitting around on the beach guy. I wanted, it was my first ever cruise. I wanted to get in as much as I can. So, like, let me, t- <laughs> you guys who are experienced cruises will laugh at this. I said, let me tour this beautiful island. Let me let me get into it a little bit. It, and we're talking about Grand Turk. I get a freaking, uh, they didn't even ask for anything. I go to, I rent a, uh, you know, what do you call it? A, 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 a moped. And I give the guy the money. I'm like, you need ID? You need anything? He's like, no, just pay me and bring the bike back. I guess their thought process is, where the hell are you going to go? If you want to steal the bike, there's only, you know, so far you can go. So, or either that or, you know, we'll hunt you down and kill you. We're not worried about your ID because we'll find you and kill you if you uh, think you're going to steal this bike from us. So whatever it was, did that. And I, uh, I just... I drove around the city, city, island, whatever you want to call it, and you're basically dodging horses, like stray horses, stray horses and goats. Uh, there's the occasional, you know, speakers that are bumping from somebody's driveway. You got a bunch of crazy looks from just you driving down these residential streets that you just really shouldn't be driving down. And I did about, and, and then I saw some building that sort of looked interesting. I don't know whether it was an art museum, an old shut down courthouse or a school or a church, whatever it was. I stopped the moped to get out and check it out because, hey, I'm in Grand Turk. This is a building looks interesting. Let me look at it. I couldn't get the moped started again. Took me about 25 minutes. People driving by me, like, still, I'm just getting, like, people are just looking at me like, this guy is lost. And uh, thankfully, you know, nobody bothered me. Got the uh, moped started again and uh, found my way back. You can't really get lost because you can kind of always see, you know, the cruise ship or you just know that main road that goes, and most of those islands have that main road that goes around the circumference of it. So I did that and I got back and then I tried to (laughs) park the bike. Again, when I was and I drove it into a bush, and uh, I did get a couple of scratches. I was bleeding a little bit, and me and uh, my friend Michelle, who we went on that cruise with, she kind of uh, always razzes me about that when we talk about. Yeah, you know, you still got some of your you left some skin in Grand Turk. You remember that? So, yeah, I actually that's what I did. We we booked a horse riding uh, 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 excursion together, and I just didn't want to do the horse riding excursion. I don't know. I was probably like a little nervous about being told I was too overweight to ride the weak, feeble horses, the, the malnourished horses they have there. So I just didn't do it. We split up for that one, for that one, one excursion. But man, uh, yeah, don't get too ambitious when you're in Grand Turk. <laughs> they did an open next cruise I went on. We were going back to Grand Turk, and uh, they they do an open mic night, and I. I cannot tell you what I said. I did the open mic night. I was on. I was on with Stu, and I didn't. I did. I participated in the open mic night, and I got up there and I just told a couple of jokes. I cannot even say what I said on this podcast. What I said, but then I said, "All right, so Grand Turk tomorrow." And I was like, "Is anybody even getting off the ship?" So it went from like me, like really being excited because you hear about Turks and Caicos, but Grand Turk is a little sleepy. Then I went like, "I don't even want to get off the ship." But then you know what? You learn to appreciate Grand Turk for what it is. One time, me and my sister and her boyfriend. Uh, Dave, who I've told referenced in a couple of podcasts, but we went on a banana boat. Now, I didn't understand. I'm not the biggest thrill ride guy, 
But I did not know these banana boats, if you get the right one, it's a death ride. I'll post a picture of this on Instagram. Not that anybody's going to give a crap about it who doesn't listen to this, but I'll just put it up there so you can see it. I got in the middle because I was the biggest one. My sister's boyfriend got on one side of me and my sister got on the other side. So I'm thinking we're going to get a fun little ride around you know, the, the, the Atlantic Ocean real quick. These guys gunned it. And we were flying, and we were getting like several feet of air. I was legitimately hanging off for dear life. I didn't know how it worked because I guess occasionally you do fall off these things. And call me a wimp or a sissy or whatever, but at the speed we were going and the waves we were hitting and getting ripped around, I was like, no, 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 no. We should. I do not have any interest in falling off this damn banana boat right now. So literally, I was holding on for dear, I was holding on for dear life, and and my sister was screaming, her boyfriend was screaming, and I was dead silent, not because I wasn't just as horrified as them, but because I was just like, I'm using every energy I have to hold on and anchor this middle my fat ass was in the middle that's probably what saved us but we were going like and we were hitting angles like out of control but anyway that's grand turk and uh again now you just have to know what you're getting in grand turk you go you spend a little time in the water you go for a swim you go to margaritaville you let the guy on the mic entertain you whether it's a simon says competition or it's a booty shake or it's just like a whatever they do they do that thing where they grab the mic you know what i mean we do that you know diamond does it we do it all day at, at the bar i'm at and it's just a fun time and you just like you pay your money man it's just something about going up to a beach bar ordering a frozen drink going into your pocket and pulling out soggy dollar bills man it's just you know you're in the right place i love it all right so that's grand turk we're moving over to saint martin uh, St. Martin to me is neck and neck with St. Thomas as my favorite island. The only reason St. Thomas has a little bit of a leg up is because I am on U.S. soil, and that's not a cultural bias I have against it. I can use my phone, and I know I'm just in America pretty much when you're on St. Thomas. Uh, you know, it's a territory of America, and if something goes down, you're in a uh, maybe it's just a you're in your own government pretty much. All right, um, so St. Martin, what's cool about St. Martin is that it's half Dutch and half French, and it is the smallest landmass in the world that is actually divided by two nations. Uh, everybody, that what you should do, uh, the tourist attraction that you want to do is Maho Beach, where the airplanes land right above your head. So you're sitting on the beach, and these airplanes fly in. It's not quite what it used to be because they used to be like a big seven <clears throat> seven fifty seven jet. They used to roll in and almost buzz the top of your head with its wheels as it flies over the beach. You can see some iconic pictures if you search for that. And I I encourage you to do that. search some videos and some pictures of uh, Maho Beach in St. Martin, and it's clearly something you're gonna want to do. And I did it. And yeah, when I was there, the first couple of times, the big plane still was coming in, and it is a marvelous, marvelous experience unfortunately there is some very very sad news out of uh, st martin this this past week a woman from new zealand uh 50 something years old they have an area where you know obviously you're on the beach you can see the plane but then they have an area where the planes are taking off too you're at an airport they land they take off crazy crazy takeoff point too because there's a mountain and supposedly it's a <clears throat> you have to be pretty skilled of a pilot to be able to take off because you have to kind of gain altitude immediately because there's a freaking mountain in the way but unfortunately and very very sadly you know there's a thing where 
people, thrill seekers will walk across the street, which is a death walk anyway because the cars are whipping around the corner. You know, there's not necessarily the most uh, uh, the signs and traffic lights are not necessarily everywhere you look. So you walk across the street and the planes take off and the jet exhaust kind of sends up. I mean, a wind that if you were standing there, you get flipped upside down. But apparently there is still a wind that's powerful enough to blow you into the street and across the beach if you're not holding on real, real tight. So thrill seekers will do that. And uh, unfortunately, I've never heard of this happening. You know, just a cute little thing people used to do. A woman lost her life this past week and she hit her head on a pavement. She was about 59 years old, I believe. Again, man, I wouldn't recommend doing this. Anything. And I don't know. It's a double-edged sword because what you're going to see now is probably a bunch of regulations. You can't do it anymore. It's prohibited. I don't know if that's what's going to happen. I know if that happened in the USA, that's what would happen right away because people come in. And maybe it should be. Maybe rightly so. But to me, I don't know. you got to exercise judgment. If you're 59 years old and you're not in tip-top condition, is this really a thrill you really have to seek? I mean, in general, come on. I mean, stay on the beach, really, because what's going to happen now is that they're going to stop doing that. And yes, maybe they should. But to me, I am always, as an old guy, just always going to be reaching for things that they take things away from you. You know, they because of legalities and because of lawsuits and because of people who just exercise less than uh, good judgment. You know, they're probably going to have it walled off now. Now, you can't do that particular thing. And to me, anything that's why I love Coney Island so much, you know, you can get away with stuff there that you normally get. It's like, do we have to be such a streamlined, perfect world? Do does, do we have to have rules and regulations that are covering our back and waivers and threat of lawsuits and legal? Like, exercise good judgment and leave some stuff out there that's a little bit old school. Leave some stuff that, you know what? Try this, you know, try that. It's a little on the dangerous side. Like I said, in Coney Island, New York City, one of the, you know, New York City has become very, very litigious, but there is this little spot in New York City, in Brooklyn, Coney Island. You know, we went there on a staff trip and we, we, the girls, they were bringing bottles of wine with them. And one girl had a big giant purse and she had a bottle of wine and we were ready to start this thrill ride. And as the ride is starting, she, she, she goes and pulls out a bottle of wine and goes to take a chug from it while the ride is about to start. Is that ideal? Is that advised? No. But you see the guy who's operating the ride clearly could have turned the ride off. But he goes, hey, miss, miss, no, no, no. He does a half-hearted attempt to chase after her to try to get the wine from her, laughing the whole time, doesn't quite reach her, and says, ah, oh, well, screw it. They're having fun. Let's Again. Is that good? But no, you know what? Let some shit go on that used to go on that maybe a little living on the wild side. Let's not corporatize everything and, you know, standardize everything. That's just my opinion. All right, I'm getting off track here. Moving back to St. Martin. Uh, so if you're going to go to the airport beach, the Maho Beach, same thing. Airport be- Beach and Maho Beach, same thing. Some cool places to go around there. Uh, it's a little bit of a hike. So you want to do that early, I would recommend. Uh, also, you have Orient Beach. Can I say that nowadays? Can I say Orient if I'm referencing a beach, Orient Beach, I mean, that's what it's called, so I have to. So Orient Beach is technically a nude beach, but it's usually kept to one side where all the nudity happens. And even over there, it's not like a wacky, crazy sex party going on. It's just – it's a European thing. People just sunbathe in the nude. Uh, but when I tell you over there, is as commercial as it has become and as many people know about Orient Beach is it still maintains its just – ultra ultra p- 
picturesque beauty. You're talking screensaver like you've never seen before. When you talk about the water, the beach, and the, the mountainous landscape and everything like that, one of the most beautiful, beautiful beaches in the world. It still has plenty of stuff that you can do regarding you know, whether you want to eat. You could do water sports. There's places to drink. Uh, you do get hit a lot with the vendors. You know what I mean? They'll come up to you pretty hardcore with the aloe and the trinkets and stuff like that. But again, all worth it because this place is just, I mean, it's a beautiful, beautiful place. Did I mention it's beautiful? All right. So, all right, moving on. Uh, there's really is, uh, there's a cool downtown area as well. There's that uh, Yoda place where the guy from the, the story about the guy who retired, he was a set designer and artist from the Star Wars franchise, and he retired in St. Martin, and it has a lot of artifacts and stuff that he made and built that were on the set, and he continues to make them in a little shop that he opened up. He calls himself the Yoda guy. And uh, that is downtown and some other cool, unique things. Pl- ton of pl- ton- tons of places to eat and stuff like that. Drinking downtown. You, could, you got some forts you can hike up as well. Some of the most impressive yachts I've ever seen in one place pull into St. Martin on a daily basis. Um, <clears throat> that's pretty much St. Martin. All right, moving on to Tortola. One word with Tortola. The baths. The Virgin Gorda baths. You got to do it. I know you got to wake up early. I know it's expensive. I know that you have to tender all the way out there. Regardless of all that, you have to do the baths in Tortola. It's this network of rocks and almost like create this sort of like cave. There, It's a geographical setup that's a lot of – you'll see it a lot of places. But this is an area where you kind of – you feel like you're under – you're in a cave but you're under rocks. And sometimes you're in water, sometimes you're not. And then it opens up and there's a clearing and then all of a sudden you're on this beautiful beach. There's a gift shop, bar, restaurant area as well. The hike to the baths is awesome once you get off the, I guess whatever vehicle is taking you, the bus or whatever. The transportation device takes you to the, to where you kind of enter and you're walking through a forest. It is just beautiful, magical, picturesque. If you're if you're ever in Tortola, the first thing to do is the baths. And if you've seen the baths once or twice and you're still in Tortola, they have a really cool downtown area that they just developed. Do that if you've seen it and you don't want to spend the money or you don't want to wake up that, that early. But... On your first trip, definitely check out the baths. Whatever. Just do it. Uh, then you have St. Kitts. St. Kitts, there's, there's also incredible topography. There's gorgeous beaches, tons of tours, and old architecture to explore. It's not the most bustling downtown area, but it does have tons of rainforest tours available. Uh, a gorgeous fort you can explore. Really, really relaxing place with more just incredible natural beauty than the average private island. But... It's not too many world-renowned, distinguishable features about St. Kitts. Uh, similar to St. Kitts in that regard where it's just really, really beautiful but not necessarily too many landmarks. You have uh, a little more east and a little more, more south. You have Barbados. You have uh, St. Lucia. And you have Dominica. All right, so that's the Eastern Caribbean. We're going to move on to the Western Caribbean. And we'll start with Ocho Rios, Jamaica. Ocho Rios has a ton of lush tropical topography. By the way, Jamaica, you also have, uh, what, what do you have? You have uh, Falmouth, and you have, uh, what's the other port? Oh, Montego Bay. Forgot, Montego Bay, sorry. Uh, there's a lot of really cool excursions. Ocho Rios, out of all the three of those I just mentioned, is the place where you want to be. 
tons of excursions. They're all adventurous too. I like that too. You can keep yourself busy doing kind of stuff. You can climb up Dun River Falls. You can go up Mystic Mountain. You can cliff dive. You can take a roller coaster down. You can do whitewater rafting. This is my ideal type of port. I love all that stuff. There's also Bob Marley tours. There's also some really, really beautiful beaches as well. And Ocho Rios, Jamaica, clearly is a great place to go for jerk chicken and a lot of that uh, Jamaican island cuisine that I was mentioning earlier in the introduction. Grand Cayman also, really, really cool downtown area uh, right off the ship. The bad thing about Grand Cayman is that you do have to tender, which makes it a pain in the ass. Still, I would say, worth getting off the ship, worth doing. Great for shopping. Uh, great is a, is a really European feel to it. Uh, the main attraction in Grand Cayman of all seems to be what's called Stingray City. It is a sandbar that you take a boat out to. And you're basically swimming a bunch uh, among a bunch of stingrays. Uh, I don't know. Steve Corwin, what is that guy? The guy, unfortunately, God rest his soul, passed away uh, following a stingray. That has kind of has me like, I know they're harmless. I would have done it. My friends did not want to do it. I would have been a little bit nervous. Now, you guys are all saying, oh, it's a stingray. I know they got to have the open net flap for the thing. I don't know. I don't know what these stingrays, I don't know if the stingray had a bad day. I don't know if a shark is harassing him, bullying him, or whatever during the day. Whatever, whatever causes him to open up that flap and have that sharp thing come out, how do I know he's not going to do it? Clearly, I would still do it, but if I had somebody that wanted to do it with me when we went, I would have been a little nervous, but I still would have done it. Seems like, I mean, really, you just, I'm a percentage guy. You're going to play the percentages. If hundreds of people go there a day and it never happens, there's probably not too much to worry about, right? All right, so moving on from Gain Cayman, we're going to go to Key West. Key West, you're in America now. You know what I mean? That really doesn't fall into a lot of any of the categories except pretty much America. You're, you're, you're in one of the states. You're in Florida. Uh, I'll start by saying that there is the Duval Crawl, which is Duval Street. And it's cool because it's like pretty much just a street that stretches from one end to the other end, which on the first side of the street, you're seeing the Atlantic Ocean. Walk all the way to the other side of the street, you're seeing the Gulf of Mexico. And uh, it's pretty pretty amazing. You watch the sunrise and the sunset, same areas. And uh, it's a great foodie town as well. Uh, Sloppy Joe's is a landmark there. It's an eating and drinking establishment. We've got live music. One of the coolest things I ever did there was a jet ski tour that literally went around the whole island. It was a guided tour. You got a chance to do a swim break. The guy talked to you. He showed you where Top Gun was filmed. He told you where this was, was that was. And it was like literally you're going under a bridge and you're leaving the Atlantic and crossing over into the Gulf of Mexico and vice versa. Really, really cool. The thing about uh, Key West is that when I did say St. Thomas was the drunkest Caribbean island, I may have sold Key West a little bit short because – between Fantasy Fest, between Halloween, uh, they have a nickname called the Conquer Republic. They take pride in their drinking. If you're there for sunset, definitely be near Mallory Square because there's a whole sunset ceremony. It's a beautiful sunset. I think they mostly get everybody out of there, I think, cruise-wise for the sunset, though, right? They just take pride in not having anything being able to block the horizon. So that's like a thing with Key West. you got to get it out of there. But uh, Key West is beautiful, man. I love Key West. It's beautiful and it's fun. I was there probably about 17 years ago, and I wasn't very, very impressed. I don't know whether it's, you know, I just was looking for more back then or they did build it up and add a bunch of stuff to it. This last time I went, I absolutely loved it. All right, let's move on to Cozumel. Cozumel, 
doesn't have a ton going on on the actual island of Cozumel, but you can do a resort for a day there. There's also some really world-class diving that uh, Cozumel is known for. There's also plenty of places to eat, drink, walk around. You could rent scooters if you want to stay local downtown. Really fun little island, but that is about it. If you do take the ferry, however, over to the mainland, then a whole other avenue of fun opens up to you cenotes mayan ruins beautiful beaches shopping much much more there's tons of stuff to do over there then you have costa maya uh now i want to step in here and say a word about mexico if you are looking for a cruise and you ever see the word mexico come up in just the general area of where it's going so like florida bahamas mexico mexico just so you understand, if you see the word Mexico, you're not in the Caribbean. You're on the west coast of Mexico, and this is probably a, sh- a cruise ship that's leaving out of either L.A. or San Diego. Uh, you're going to hit ports like uh, Puerto Vallada, uh, Ensenada, Cabo San Lucas. It's a few other smaller ones, but those are the main ones. Uh, the Western Caribbean islands, uh, you know, they're, they're besides the ones that aren't Puerto Vallada, Cabo San Lucas, they're a lot, a lot simpler, but... Uh, what you also have is other islands that are related to Mexico, but like I said, would be listed under Western Caribbean, like Belize. Uh, you have Harvest K is there, that private island from um, Norwegian. Uh, there's a bunch of uh, other stuff to do in Belize, but the uh, same uh, Roatan and Honduras. What you're talking about as far as categorizing it, a lot of it is the Mexican-influenced uh, part of the Western Caribbean. You know, like I said, it's... It's interesting. You have uh, you have a lot of influences, like I said, that are kind of mainland influences. You know, it's a little deserty. It's a little bit more dry. Uh, and then speaking of that, we're going to move over to the Southern Caribbean right now, where you have uh, the ABC Islands. And the popular thing about the ABC Islands, is amongst uh, aside from just the beauty alone, is that it's out of the hurricane path. It does remain very, very dry. We'll start with Aruba. Aruba is a very, very polarizing port. People who love Aruba will cut you if you say something bad about it. People who vacation, land-based vacations in Aruba, they go back to Aruba. They bring their friends back. They bring their new girlfriends back. They don't stop. They love Aruba, and they will just wax poetically about Aruba, but some people don't get it. For me, the jury is still out. I need another run at Aruba. The beaches are breathtaking. The food scene is off the charts, but, you know, you're going to pay. You're going to pay for a good meal in Aruba. There is a bit of a sophistication about Aruba, a little bit of a perceived elevation in class amongst people who are partial to that particular, you know, part of the world. People love that it's dry. I mean, it is nice that there's not a big humidity factor. It's almost desert-like, so the humidity doesn't kill you. But a big complaint about Aruba is the fierce wind. You will, uh, you know, you'll get a ton of wind that blows the sand around, and people don't like it. Your blankets are everywhere. Tourists flock to places like Eagle Beach and Palm Beach. Uh, it's just another island, also with a great downtown area for shopping, eating, and drinking. It's Aruba, uh, Bonaire. I really don't have much for you on Bonaire. I haven't seen or heard about it. Uh, I haven't seen or heard about too many distinguishable features or factors attached to Bonaire, other than that it's just another breathtakingly gorgeous place. So when you go there, I would just think you're probably going to shut it down or maybe just pick one of the -the run-of-the-mill excursions that are available from your cruise line. I'm sure you can snorkel. I'm sure you can get an ATV. I'm sure you can do all those run-of-the-mill stuff. And if you want to do that uh, on Bonaire, do it on Bonaire. Uh, Check out shoreexcursiongroup.com. 
make your own fun, create your own adventure. Other than that, like I said, it sounds like a great place to just shut it down. Then moving over to Curacao. Uh, The most iconic thing about Curacao is the candy-colored Dutch buildings that will greet you when you come into port. You've probably seen them in many pictures. They probably are one of the most photographed landmarks of the Caribbean. Uh, There's also a moving bridge. Curacao, you know what I... I didn't know what the hell Curacao was. I just know at the bar from being in the bar business, there was this blue stuff. If you want to make your blue drink, if you see blue in your drink whatsoever, chances are it's blue Curacao. I didn't know what it was when I first thought it. There was blue Caraco. I didn't know. What to, I'm like, what, are they, what is this thing? They're like, well, it's named after an island in the Caribbean, like near South America. And I'm like, oh, okay. That makes sense. And here we are. It's a, uh, it's on it's on an itinerary. Uh, what they also have in Curacao is a moving bridge. It's kind of cool. You get off the ship, uh, you look to head downtown. You get on this moving bridge that literally takes you. You get on the bridge, and the bridge takes you uh, across whatever you whatever it is a channel, a river, and then you get off, and you're on the main uh, the you're on the the main part of the island. This is probably uh, my favorite place in the. Southern Caribbean to walk the streets. Like I said, the architecture is off the charts. The people are friendly. Not too pushy at all when it comes to the markets. For for how many markets there are and how many how much competition it is amongst you know walking around there and just how many places you can buy stuff, they are really uh, noticeably not pushy and really cool but classy places to eat and drink. Like this is one place that. It almost looks like fine dining, but you can go there and whatever you're wearing. It's a little expensive. It's right. It's I don't even know the name of it, but it, it's the restaurant that you would see that when you it's where you get on the bridge, or uh, where you take if the bridge. I think the bridge sometimes closes and you have to take a ferry over. But wherever you're getting off from, coming from the cruise port and coming over to the mainland, right where the mainland starts, that restaurant is right there. Seems to be the most popular place there. Um, all right, and that's pretty much it. Uh, also. If you want to talk about Southern Caribbean islands, you could also mention the ones I mentioned above, which is, like I said, Barbados, St. Lucia, Dominica. There's also Antigua, and even as far southeast as Trinidad. Those can also fall into the Southern Caribbean category, even though they are as east as it gets as well when it comes to anything on the, uh, you know, let's just call it the Western world, the Americas. Uh, Cruise lines take liberties with what they call things. I've seen them put ports in the Bahamas, and they put them under the Caribbean itinerary, even though it's clearly the North Atlantic Ocean. But either way, in summary, that's just kind of what I wanted to do today. So we talked about the four main regions in the Caribbean and where you might see categorized most of the sailings that you will look at, looking up. Florida, Bahamas, Eastern, Western, and Southern Caribbeans. Uh, like I said, there's still the Panama Canal. And uh, if you have any other questions, if you have anything to add, any feedback, always please reach me at Tommy at alwaysbebooked.com. And now let's get into some emails. Yeah. All right. Each and every week we not only love your emails, we thrive on your emails. We want to make your emails as much a part of the show as possible. Again, I overuse the word interactive. I know that, but there is no more appropriate word. I want you guys to email me, Tommy, at alwaysbebooked.com, as well as please join the Facebook group. That's the big theme for the show this week, huh? I won't shut the hell up about the Facebook group. Uh, 
Always Be Booked Cruisers Lounge on Facebook. Please join us. we got to get some more members, get some more discussion going. And, yes, I will recap a lot of that stuff on the show as well, too. All right, so first email is from Barbara. Subject, inspiration versus imagination. Assuming Carnival, right? Yeah. Uh, The question is, have both of these ships been updated? Is one better than the other? Planning for a trip for 20 20 women out of Long Beach. Help, please. Again, thanks, Barbara. Uh, Well, Barbara, I do assume you already know that you're dealing with two fantasy-class ships. So if the women are expecting grand luxury, they'll probably end up being disappointed. But if they're a chill group and they just want to get away for a little while and a relatively nice ship for its age, then they'll love it. Uh, Both have had the Blue Iguana Cantina added. They have the Guy's Burger Joint, the Blue Iguana Tequila Bar. They have the Alchemy Bar and the Cherry on Top uh, ice cream added to it. The inspiration is actually the newer of the two ships by a year or so, and it holds a whopping eight more people. But that's all I could really see is different between those two ships. Anybody else, again, Tommy at alwaysbebooked.com. If they know of any specific differences between the inspiration or the imagination via Carnival, I have never been on either one of those ships, so let us know. Let's help each other out. All right, moving on. Uh, hey, Tommy, love the show and have listened to you since the very first episode. We uh, episodes were released in that batch. Wow. I really, really appreciate that, Nathan. Thank you so much. It means the world to me that you say that. You you were there from day one. Not that I'm a 20-year veteran in the business, but thank you. It's really cool to know. I listen to podcasts daily on my one-hour drive to and from work, and for some reason, the Always Be Booked podcast is the only one that seems to have somewhat lower audio levels. I need to have the stereo turned all the way up and cannot hear it to... Still, if I have the window down, not sure if this is something that can be tweaked. Anyway, no other complaints. Uh, keep up the great worth. Nathan, that's a, a very you know valid complaint. If you, you know, always my experience with podcasting uh, and podcasts that come out, always better when you can hear them. You know, that's my genius level of expertise that I'm bringing to the table for you guys. If you guys are ever going to have a podcast, make sure, you know. Make sure people can hear them. Well, I do apologize. I'm being a little weird here, but I'm sorry. I I will check into that. I haven't heard that yet. And when I listen to it in my car, I don't see. I definitely know there's a little inconsistencies with my, I guess, the, the sound of the show. That's going to happen naturally when I'm on Skype doing an interview. And uh, I did go to school a little bit on how to make things sound better. And I feel like I've improved with that over the last three or four i think there's been some consistency but they did tell me to make sure the audio level on the microphone is down because of the fact that uh you know you don't want a lot of background interference i'm gonna check again i'm gonna check the audio level and i'll encourage everybody else who's listening if you do if you do find that that's the case i haven't heard it before but if it is the case let me know and i will check regardless of whether anybody gets back to me or not i'll check on that audio level i'll tweak that if i can see it tweaking but nathan perfect email it's right along the lines like i said i need this information to get better so thank you very very much all right moving on i listened to the podcast cruise underworld and it made me think of the books by david brian bruns the first book is cruise confidential i am sure you have read the four books you you, you did I, i i'm sure you have read the four books but it is about an american guy who is the first american to quote unquote make it on a carnival ship in the food service department uh 
it takes him through multiple departments. It is so enlightening, and I will never look at the crew the same way again. Highly recommended. I am headed to Alaska in two weeks on the Explorer of the Seas and doing Panama Canal on the Wonder in the spring. I did appreciate your port review of Panama Canal. Andrea, our buddy Andrea from Orlando. Andrea, and she says, thanks for a great show. Thank you, Andrea, for listening. Uh, yes, you were very, very assumptive to assume that I read anything. <laughs> No, I'm kidding. I mean, uh, that you would. You probably think a guy who does a, a cruise podcast um, would be familiar with the, with this work. Actually, I may now. I, it sounds very, very fascinating. I'm not going to lie to you. Call me what you want to call me. Ah, I'm not a huge reader. I don't freaking read. I don't even go on cruises. I don't read. I've ever since the advent of the audio book. It's the route I've been going. You know, it's just I don't know. Maybe I will. Maybe I should. But who knows? I, I just I don't know. But it does really sound like a fascinating concept for a book, and I guess it sounds like it's a it's a true story. Um, so if anybody knows about that, let me know. Cruise Underworld. It's four books. So it's four books about an American guy who made it on a carnival ship in the food service department. Sounds pretty fascinating. I will check it out. Anybody else? Uh, have, if anybody else has read that, email me at Tommy at alwaysbebook.com. Give me your take on it, your review of it. Enforce what Andrea is saying. Also, let's do this. What do you guys consume? You know you got me out here as your buddy. Not nice and faithful. Maybe a couple of days late, but better late than never. You got Doug. You got Cruise Tips TV. What else you got? You got the Cruise Dudes. You got uh, uh, Matt Hodgeberg, Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast. You got all this stuff out there. What do you guys consume? For your cruise media, if you're listening to the show, you got to be a cruise junkie and you can't get enough of it. So let me know what else is out there for us cruise junkies to consume from either an entertainment or an informational standpoint. Again, Tommy at alwaysbebook.com or the Facebook group, uh, Always Be Booked Cruisers Lounge. Um, But again, thank you for listening, Andrea. Really, really appreciate it. And uh, that is going to do it for this week. I want to thank you guys again so much for listening. I'm not going to repeat where you can find me again because we've done it at Nauseam. I wanted to get into a little personal stuff. If you were looking forward to that, the three or four of you who were, you're going to have to wait a little while, honestly, because while I did this podcast, you you may not know it, but I got interrupted with calls, emails, texts, knocks on the door for about the last four hours, and this has taken way, way longer than it was supposed to take, so I'm not going to be able to do that this week. I got to get into a couple other things here, but uh, I do, I will, I will at some point put that uh, out there for you guys and just give you an update, and actually, while I'm doing this podcast, there was another update. So things got a little bit more, I got a little more clarity of where I'm going to be and what, what I'm going to end up doing while I was actually doing this podcast and I had to pause it at some point. I'm sure you can identify some of the points where that happens. But again, I hope you guys enjoyed the show and we will talk to you later. Thanks, guys. There's a place where the boat is from. It takes away a little your big problems. You could worry, you could drive them in the blue ocean. But you got to get away to where the boat is from. Take one part sand one part seat and one part shade of a nine on tree and the drinks are cold and the reggae is hot and i know this is the place for me get away to where the boat leaves from it takes away all of your big problems you could worry you could drop them in the blue ocean but you gotta get away to where the boat leaves jimmy 